Thank you, Colin. Well, this is the last Sunday of the month, and on this Sunday, I always have the kids come up, but not today. You know why? Because I forgot smooth about it completely. In all of the hustle and bustle of everything we were doing at my house, my wife said this morning, she said, did you prepare anything for the kids? And I said, absolutely not. I didn't do that. So I am a complete failure this morning. So for that, I apologize. But, uh, and I could tell you that I'll get better, but I won't. So anyway, that's uh, just, just I just want to apologize for that. I usually do that and I've done a pretty good job of that, but I did not get it done this morning. So anyway, I apologize for that. Uh, but we have been, I know that you guys have been busy at your house this week. We have been busy at our house. We found out last Sunday that, uh, well, we knew Luke was going to come home Sunday. Last Sunday was his last Sunday at his church. So, uh, he is moved in with us and he will be there until January. And then as he was telling you in January, he goes to, uh, Dakar, Senegal, Africa, and he will be in Africa for a year. He is gone this Sunday. Uh, some of you have asked if Luke's going to be around, and he will be, but uh, he is gone this Sunday. He's speaking at Carthage and uh, telling them about his trip, and so he's going to be gone this Sunday, but he'll be back, and uh, hopefully, maybe I'm going to give him some, uh, I had a lot of people uh, say they didn't want to hear me preach, but they'd like to hear Luke preach, and that is makes me feel good and hurt at the same time, and so anyway, we're going to try to maybe get Luke up in the pulpit a little bit before he leaves and we never see him again forever. Uh, no, but he'll, he's going to be gone for a while. And so we knew Luke was coming in on Sunday. But when he showed up in our driveway, he had our three granddaughters that belonged to Lacey as well. And uh, Lacey, was, they're moving into a house. And uh, so they said, do you think you could take these three girls off our hands while we're doing this because they're a pain? And uh, yeah, we'd love, we'd love to have pain in our house. That would be great. And so not only did we have Luke in the trailer, which makes it with the trailer house, which is, we live in a camper. And, uh, so we had Luke in there, which makes the, the camper trailer much smaller. And we also had the three girls, which shrunk it down to, I mean, it was, it was anyway, it was small. And then the first night they were there, the second night, the second night they were there, uh, we woke up at four o'clock in the morning to Lila being sick. And, uh, that was blessed time. And, uh, in my mind, I was thinking we're all going to die. We're just all going to be, and they're going to just going to find us all in the, in the trailer. And so when someone gets sick, the trailer gets even smaller. And so we just prayed there that, uh, nobody else would get sick and nobody did. But, uh, one of my, one of my little granddaughters, my wife, said, you know, I don't want to spend the whole day out here in the trailer because it's no fun. And so we're going to, she said, we might go, has anybody heard of a place called Itty Bitty City? All right. Okay. That's a kind of a neat name and kind of fun to hear once, uh, you know, to say it, Itty Bitty City. And I heard Itty Bitty City about in 
10 million times out of my granddaughter's mouths. Itty bitty city, itty bitty city, itty bitty city. And after you hear it about 10,000 times, you're done with it. All right. And I finally told her, I said, look, I'm glad that you want to go to itty bitty city, but I don't want to hear another word about it. So at the time when Lila gets sick, uh, the other girls wake up cause she's, you know, loud and, and while we're there getting everything cleaned up, Addie goes, now nanny, you know that just because Lila's sick, me and you and Charlie can still go to itty bitty city. And this is a four o'clock in the stinking morning. <laughs> I was like, Really? Really? And uh, so anyway, we had, but after that, everybody got, got, uh, everybody got saved. No, everybody got, uh, everybody got well. And uh, we made it through the rest of the week. And uh, so, but that's the way the holidays are. They come to your house or you come and get around your family and uh, you have a time together and it's fun and memorable. And sometimes the memories are really good. And sometimes the memories are not so good, but that is the holiday time. And we're getting ready to head into Advent. And Advent is not most, a lot of the holidays we have are Jewish holidays. Advent is 100% Christian. They came up with it. The Christians came up with it. Uh, God did not say to celebrate the birth of Jesus. The Christians decided we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And then they said, we're going to have four weeks here before where we allow God to speak into our hearts and to show us what he wants to do. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this year. And uh, I usually try to help us. I want to help you uh, get through the holidays. Uh, Lots of times, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you will blow through between Thanksgiving and Christmas and Christmas will come and go and you will say, what in the world happened? And you will be so involved in all the things that you're doing that you will not have time to hear what God might want to say to you. And so we're going to try to slow down a little bit this morning. Uh, The church is actually going to try to help us as a body to kind of go through this together. And so this morning, I just want you to just just stop and stop for a minute. Because if you don't, you'll just be thinking about what do I got to do? What have I got to do? What have I got to do? Just stop for a moment. We got just a few moments here and say, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to say into my life? What do you want to speak into my life over the next few weeks? And uh, just allow him to do it. So let's all stand in honor of God's word. And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he's telling them how they should wait. And I don't know if you know this, but we've been waiting for 2,000 years so far for Jesus to come back. We're in the waiting, okay? Does anybody like to wait? Anyone? Anyone? Nobody likes to wait. But he's telling you how to wait. And so if you ask kids, if you ask kids what's their favorite part about Christmas, they'll say the presents. What's the worst part about Christmas? The waiting. But you know what? The waiting is what makes it so special, all the waiting and the anticipation. If you, if you had Christmas every day, it wouldn't be special. It wouldn't be fun. It would just be life. It's the waiting 
that makes it great, even though it's also the part that's the hardest, but it's the waiting. And so Paul's going to tell us how we need to be waiting during this time. Let's read this together out loud. Uh, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. We're going to begin reading with verse 4. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge. Because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God who has called you in fellowship with him, with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord is faithful. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you for this day. And Father, I pray today that you would help us to prepare for you to form us in the midst of your patience, Lord. And I pray that you would help us in the waiting. And Father, help us to eagerly wait. And so Father, speak to us today through your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Usually, the Advent season will come right after Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving felt like it was a little bit earlier this year. Uh, and like I said, Advent is not a Jewish holiday. It is all a Christian thing. And we are to celebrate that Jesus has come. And usually we're really good at that. If you ask people what Christmas is about, even to this day, even people who are secular have an idea in their mind because it's said so much that it's about the birthday of Jesus. So we are pretty good about celebrating that Jesus has come. What we sometimes forget to do, and Advent is to help us do this, and I'm going to tell you this is what I've been convicted about as I've studied and been going through what we're going to kind of be going through the next few weeks, is we're good about celebrating that Jesus has come. We're all glad that Jesus has come. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. We need to be celebrating Jesus is coming again. Praise God. Jesus is going to come again. One of these days, the sky is going to be split and Jesus is going to say, it's time. And everyone who is saved and is part of his family and who has a relationship with him is going to be taken up to heaven and all the dead are going to be raised and we're all going to join and we're going to be with Jesus forever. And there's not going to be any more pain and there's not going to be any more sorrow and there's not going to be any more funerals and there's not going to be any more grandkids getting sick in your camper at four o'clock in the morning. There's none of that's going to happen. You're not going to have any more trips to the hospital. There's not going to be any more. You are diagnosed with this. There's not going to be any more of that. One day, all that's going to be over because praise God, Jesus is coming. Amanda, you're never going to have to hear that again. One of these days, you're in the midst of it now, but one of these days, we're not going to have any more of that. One of these days, your sister's not going to be sick anymore. One of these days, we're not going to have any more of the doctors saying, this is what's being in your, this is what you're going through right now. One of these days, that's going to be all over because... Jesus is coming again. And we're pretty good at celebrating Jesus' birthday. 
But this year, I want you to think about, and I want you to be praying for that God would help you to look forward to the fact that Jesus is coming again. That's good news. That's good news for us this morning. And so we need to learn that lesson. There's many lessons uh, to be learned in this. And so the number one lesson I want you to focus on these next four weeks is that God wants to form you during this time. During these next four weeks, I want you just in your mind say, okay, God, whatever you want to do in, your, in, in me, whatever you want to accomplish in my life, I want you to form me during these next four weeks. And my thir- first thought is about when, I, when, when Advent, when I was reading about Advent, reading about what God wants to do during this time, is couldn't he have picked a better time than Advent to try to accomplish something? I don't know about you. But I'm kind of busy. I got a lot of things going on. This is kind of a busy time of the year for me. If people come to you and say, hey, I need you to do something. And it's in that time right before Christmas. What do you, what is your first response? Oh, yes, we'd love to do one more thing. If you've got kids, I know your answer is no. We don't want to do anymore. We've got enough. We're full. We've got lots of things. We've got Christmas here. We've got Christmas there. We've got Christmas programs. We've got stuff at school. We've got this and that. We've got ball games. We've got practice. We've got this and that. And to add one more thing, why couldn't God have picked, why couldn't the church have picked a better time than Advent? Well, the truth of the matter is, back when they started Advent, it wasn't like this. I said, okay, we're going to, this is a good time. We're talking about Christmas. We're talking about the birth of Jesus. And these four weeks we're going to set aside. But what happens? It's the same thing that always happens. Satan has a way of taking good things, good things that are, are really good. And he just tweaks them a little bit. And he starts adding stuff to it to where it doesn't even really look like it did in the first place. And so I want you to be really careful during this time that you do not miss what God might want to do during this time. And even during the busyness of this, uh, uh, we, we can figure out what God wants to do and wants to say to us. Think about it. The church decides we're going to set aside four weeks to allow God to form us in his likeness. This is what the, like years and years ago, the the Christian church said, we're going to set aside four weeks to allow God to form us in his likeness. What do you think Satan's going to sit around and say, oh, well, I guess I'll give them that month. I guess I'll just give that to him and I won't bother him at all during that month and they can have that whole month. That's not what Satan's going to do. Satan's going to do whatever he can to mess up that time. He's going to do whatever he can to fill that time up with something else, to fill your time up with other things, to get your mind sidetracked from what God really wants to do, to get you thinking about all the other things that you need to do. And I tell you what, it's, it's, he, he doesn't care. Satan wants you to go off into awful sin. He would love for that, but he just wants you to be distracted. He just seeks for you to be distracted. And so you're going to have to say, I am going to be purposeful during this time. I'm going to allow God to work and do what he wants to do. And it is a time that I'm going to be celebrating that Jesus has come. I'm going to celebrate that he is coming. And I'm going to celebrate it together with my family. Now, there's nothing wrong with what we do. I mean, we, I don't know what you do at your house, but at our house, we celebrate each other too. We celebrate the fact that Jesus has come. 
We celebrate the fact that Jesus is coming. And we celebrate the fact that we get to go to life, go together through life with each other. And we give gifts to each other. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think there's anything wrong with that unless you allow Satan to pervert it and that becomes all that it's about. But it shouldn't be, and, and I'm just speaking to the church this morning, and so don't allow that to happen. But Jesus wants us to celebrate him and, and, and celebrate the fact that he has come, and he wants us to live in this way that we know that he's coming. And we especially need to do that in our homes. We especially need to, at this time, when your family has so many things coming in and telling your kids what Christmas is and what Christmas isn't and what needs to be important, what isn't important, and you've got things at your job and things at your school and your ball team's coming in, and maybe even your family is sending mixed messages into your family's life. At this time, you need to sit down with your family and say, for the next four weeks, we're going to allow Christ to come in and form and form us and we have found that as the church there is something helpful about when we do things together there's something helpful about when we fast together when we fast together it seems like we're doing something together and i'm just going to tell you that right at the very first of the year we're going to fast together not only as a church but as a district all the churches on our district, we're going to fast together. We're going to do a 10-day fast. We're going to do that together. There's something about when we go through things together that it strengthens us. Uh, we, I, I've heard different people as we've been in our small group, they talk about different things that the church has done together and how that strengthens them. I, I, we had a girl, I, I talked to a lady the other day that said, I'd never fasted before, before you talked about it this last, this last fall. And she said, I've never fasted before. And, and when I did that, God spoke to me in a way that I never had. But when we do things together, God does that. And so during Advent, we're going to do these things together. And I'm going to ask you to do it as a church and as a family. And you're going to have to be purposeful about it. Uh, and to help you with this, uh, the church, usually the church buys uh, you a, a little gift at Christmas. Some sort of gift. And sometimes it's, I don't know what we buy, but sometimes we buy, we just buy little gifts. Sometimes we give you fruit and things like that. And sometimes, I don't know what else. We've bought all kinds of different things. But this year, you're going to get your present early. And I know you're all excited. I know you are. Because every year you're thinking, what's the church going to get me? This year, what we have gotten you, we have bought you a book. And this book is, we're going to give one to each family. And it is a book that will take you through each day of Advent. And we're all going to go through it together. Okay. And I want this morning, I'm speaking to parents and your families. I would really love for you to do this with your kids. And you're going to have to just say, okay, we're going to do this. Because everything in the world is going to be pulling against you to do it. You're going to get home late. You're going to not have time in the morning. You're not going to have time at night. You're not, you're, it's going to be late. And you're just going to have to say, okay, we are going to do this. And I want you as a church to say, okay, family, we are going to do this together. We are going to set aside, and it starts next Sunday. I'm going to give them to you next Sunday. It's the first reading is next Sunday. And we're going to start and say, God, for the next four weeks, I want you to just speak to me. And we're asking God to form us in the waiting. And, we are, and, and I read, I've been reading out of this book, and one of the lines that I loved more than anything was we will be formed 
by God's patience. And I got to thinking about that. Being formed by God's patience. Now, how do you get formed by God's patience? And the first thing you have to think about is how patient is God? He is really patient. Don't patient people just drive you insane. I'm always wanting to, let's go and let's get at it. But God uses his patience to form his people. And you say, Pastor, how does he do that? Have you ever watched in Israel? They were in slavery for 400 years. He's a pretty patient God to wait 400 years. For 400 years, God is patiently being, uh, setting there and allowing his people to be formed in this place of slavery, which doesn't sound like very good, but God was trying to form them into his people. And so for 400 years, he's been patient there. If you go then into uh, the, uh, between uh, the Old Testament and New Testament, there's 400 years there where God doesn't say anything. 400 years to where he was not speaking to a prophet. The Holy Spirit hasn't come yet, so nobody's hearing from the Holy Spirit. So for 400 years, there's no uh, speaking of God at all. And he is forming them in his patience. And so if you have 400 years where you don't hear from God, what do you, what do you think they did? They were like, we got to figure out something. We're not hearing from God. Maybe we're not doing things right. And so they started coming up with new ways of, of religion. Maybe we're not keeping the rules right. So they just started coming up with more and more. Really, it was sort of like church things. They were getting really good at church. And, and uh, in, in, in God's silence, they were busy uh, making... <coughs> <coughs> busying themselves with church things and and they I don't know about you but when I get in a place where I need to be patient what do you try to do I try to find other things to take my mind off being patient I was watching a hunting video we were uh, I don't have cable anymore but I was we was spending the night someplace and and I watched on the hunting channel and this they was guy was taking a kid hunting okay and so he gets the kid into the, uh, the blind. He was in this box, you know, and it had all these windows on it. He gets the kid in there, and they're supposed to be patiently waiting for a deer to walk by. As soon as the little kid gets in there, he sits down. He pulls out his earbuds, and he, uh, earbud, ear, what are they, bugs or buds? Buds? Okay, anyway, whatever they are, he puts them in his ear. And he pulls out a video game, and he just... I was like, dude, this kid ain't hunting at all. He ain't hunting. He's, he's playing video. He could have done this at home, you know. The, the dad is all, this kid ain't hunting, all right. He's playing, he's, he's not patiently waiting. He's doing, he has got his mind doing something else while he's supposed to be patiently waiting. And pretty soon, a deer walks by, he taps the kid on the shoulder, and the kid's like, <laughs> He's like, dude, there's a deer walking by. And he's like, okay. he shoots the deer. And he goes, oh, you know, and they take the picture and goes, this is his first deer. He did a great job hunting. And I'm sitting there the whole time. He ain't hunting. He's playing video games. And we are supposed to be patiently waiting for Jesus to come again. And what usually happens, and I know none of this happens to you, but, but somehow, sometimes it happens to me is, I get busy doing other things and I'm not patiently waiting anymore. I'm not paying attention to what God might want to be saying to me because I'm busy doing something else. 
I'm busy at my work or my job, and my job is church, but I'm going to tell you what, you can get busy doing church and completely miss what God wants to do in your life. I'm serious here. You can get busy at your job and completely, and you're just like that little kid. You're at your job, and God's trying to tell you something, but you're, you're not waiting. You're busy, but you're not waiting. And God says that we're supposed to be waiting, and it's in the waiting, in God's patience, and God is everlastingly patient, and I'm so glad, and I'm also perturbed about it too. I'm glad he's patient with me. I'm glad that he's so patient with me, and when I mess up, and when I goof up, and when I have wrong attitudes, he's like, come on. I'm so glad he's patient, but there are times when I'm like, God, can you just not send Jesus back, and let's get done with this? I know none of you ever feel that way, but there are some days when I'm like, God, you know, this would be, and me and Tim Lewis talk about this a lot. There's some days when I'd be like, God, this would be a really good day to come back. Has anybody ever felt that way? Or is it just me? It's just me. Okay. I get it. I got it. But there are some days when I'm like, God, this would be a great day to come back. Things are going bad. Why don't you just come back and we get to, why is, why does God not come back? Because he loves people. And there are gobs of people who are still lost and God is still working and still wooing. And some of you have loved ones who God is not come back yet because he is still working and wooing and pulling. And though it's really kind of aggravating, not really aggravating, it's just, it's like sometimes, why don't you just come? But I'm so glad he's patient. And it's in the patience that he's going to form us and make us into what we need to be. And so during this time, do you understand that we are living in the 2017th year of his patience? Jesus came. Jesus was here. Jesus walked the earth. Jesus died. Jesus was taken back to heaven. The Holy Spirit has come. And for 2,000 years, we've been in his patience the first century church, when, Jesus, when, when Paul is writing this, they believe Jesus is coming back. And they think it could be any time. When Jesus went up into heaven and they were all looking up there, why were they looking up? They thought he was coming back. And the angel says, hey, you better get about life. You can be at it. And he is coming back but, and live like it. But don't be standing around. You got to get at it. They thought he was coming back. For 2,000 years, we've been living in his patience. And his patience needs to form us. His patience, it's in the waiting that we work. And and they believed so much so that Jesus was was coming back that, 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 that they lived like it. They lived like he was coming back. They lived every day thinking Jesus could come back today. How many of you got up this morning and thought, you know, Jesus could come back today? I'm going to tell you, we get so used to the every day today. I'm going to tell you, most of the time that never crosses our mind. It should be the first thing that comes to our mind. Jesus could come back today. I made it through another night, but Jesus could come back today. What if you knew, what if, what if we had, I almost did this. I almost did this on, on, the, on the announcements. I was going to have Tim, I was going to have Cindy put it in the bulletin and Tim to put it on the thing and have Sean read it. Jesus will be coming back on Wednesday if you'd like to join us on well, if you knew Jesus was coming back, I mean, that might perk you. Wait, wait, Jesus is going to be here? I thought we were just going to decorate. Jesus is going to be here Wednesday night? Jesus is coming back? Well, I might want to come and be part of that. If you knew when Jesus was coming, you might perk your ears up and say, well, I might ought to be there for that, you know. 
I'd, I'd, I'd miss pastor preaching. That, that would, I wouldn't care about it, but I'd sure like to hear Jesus. Jesus, hey, here's a newsflash for you folks. Jesus is coming back. I don't know when. And lots of times people try to figure out when Jesus is coming back, you know. And there's a lot of people that study all that stuff. I do not. I don't study that stuff. And you might say, why don't you study it? Because Jesus said, no one will be able to figure this out. Okay. And when my wife says, you're never going to be able to figure that out. That makes me say, oh, yes, I will. And then I still don't. But, but when Jesus says, you're never going to figure this out, I just assume no one's going to figure it out. So I don't even try. But I do want to live like I know he's coming back. And he is coming back. And you say, when? I don't know. What's, that, what's that, all the rapture and all that stuff look like? I don't know. But I want to be ready when it happens. And during this time of Advent, the old church way back when said, we want God to form us and we want to celebrate that Jesus has come and we want to celebrate that he is coming. We need to live like he's coming back. And so church, we need to do that as well. And so Paul is in this place where he's talking to the church and he believes and they're living like Jesus coming back. And so he tells them how to wait. And so it is possible for the church to, it's possible for the church to live like this. And that's what he's telling these folks. And so they're there. And so he's there and he says, uh, you probably need a word of encouragement because I'm sure that you're wondering when Jesus is going to come back. And so this is the late, the lesson. So Paul says, God has, is, is working in you. He says, I thank God because of his grace given to you through Jesus Christ for in him, you have been enriched. He said, we gave you a testimony. We told you this is what would happen. If you had faith, we told you this is what was going to happen. And this is what has happened. For in him, you have been enriched in every way. In all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because of our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. So he's saying, we told you this would happen and this is what's happened. And you're living it. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait. He's saying, there's no reason for you as a church to not live like you know that Jesus is coming back again. We have given you, God has given you every spiritual gift you need to live with that excitement in your life all the time. And here's the deal. Sometimes the church does not live with very much excitement that Jesus is coming back. Uh-huh, well, you know, I'm gonna go to church one more time. You know, I'm going to go serve Jesus today at my job. You know, I'm going to go to school today and serve Jesus. has got to be good. All the other kids don't have to be good, but I got to be good because, you know, because I, hey, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And we need to live like there's a little bit of excitement in us about Jesus coming back. And he says, Jesus has come and he has changed you. He said, he's changed the way you talked. He's changed the way you think. He's changed everything about you. And he says to wait er, er, eagerly, to eagerly wait. He said, because God has done this in you, you can wait eagerly. And he says in, in chapter seven, he says, therefore, because God has done all this work in you, therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for him. Now, does he say, I give you these spiritual gifts so that you can do church better? No. Does he say, I give you this spiritual gift so you can enjoy life more? No. 
So does he say that I give you these spiritual gifts and change the way you talk and change the way you think so that you can live to draw attention to yourself? No, he says, I've given you all these spiritual gifts so that you can eagerly wait for the coming of Jesus again. And I'm going to tell you, it's hard to put eagerly and wait together. If, some, if, you go, if you go in somewhere and they say, okay, you're just going to have to wait a little minute. And you go, oh, good. I'm eagerly going to wait. I mean, if someone says, well, it's going to take, we, we, went, we went to IHOP the other day. And I'm going to tell you, don't go to IHOP with 16 people. It's not fun. I mean, there's like, okay, but it's going to take 45 minutes. And I was like, great. Can we wait longer? I want to eagerly wait some more. You know, I, I knew it was going to take, I knew it was going to take forever. I knew it was going to take, but, but we were going to wait for that. It got so bad. I, I, I want to tell you, I kind of got my feelings hurt at the OIHOP. People would walk in and see our family and the line that was waiting and they would go, I'm not kidding. There was at least 10 people that turned around and walked out at the side of my family. It hurt. It hurt. It was, I mean, we were turning, they, they finally, I said, look, you're losing business left and right. Let us get in here and eat so that people can start coming in. I mean, that's the way it was. But when someone, when you go to the, to an eating place and I say, well, it's going to be an hour and a half. Great. I'm eagerly waiting. Eager and wait does not go together. It does not go together. We don't like to wait for anything, for anything. I was at the I was at the I was at the thing getting ready to pay and this guy walks right in front of me and pays. <laughs> I always tell Cindy I'm invisible. People cannot see me at all. I mean people cut in front of me all the time. I don't know what the deal is. He was not eager to wait. I was not eager to wait either, but I did. And, and we got done, he goes, Oh, I didn't see you there. <laughs> I went, liar! In Jesus' name. I didn't say that. I was like, yeah, whatever, you know. And Luke was just standing there laughing. He's like, dude. We don't like to eagerly wait. But Paul says to the church that God places something within us. He says, I change your way you think. I change the way you talk. When Jesus came in and the Holy Spirit came in, he changes us to where we can wait eagerly. Where every day, I'm telling you, this is, this is convicting to me. This is convicting to me. I don't know if, if God wants to form anything else in me over Advent, over what he has already placed in my heart over this scripture and this message to eagerly wait because Jesus is coming again. I'm telling you, he's already spoken to my heart. He's already moved in my life because I'm going to tell you, I have been in the, oh, I'm so glad that Jesus came. I am glad Jesus came. Happy birthday, Jesus came in the manger. Let's celebrate. And the three wise men and the donkeys and the shepherds and all the camels and the chickens and everybody. Oh, we're glad that Jesus came. Jesus is coming again. And this holiday, I'm going to tell you, God spoke to me. He has spoke to me. And I think he wants to speak to us as the church. Jesus has come. Jesus is coming again. 
And I'm excited about what God want, might want to say to us as a body over the next four weeks together. What might God want to say into your little family's life? What might God want to say into your children's life who Christmas maybe for years and years has been one day where we think about Jesus came and we get presents and we all get together and then it's over. Maybe God might want to really come into and speak for four weeks into their life and says, yes, Jesus has come. But Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Next Sunday, I want you to come back next Sunday. Maybe after, I want you to eagerly wait for next Sunday. That's going to take a work of God. I'm just going to tell you, it's going to, oh, I've got to wait and listen to pastor. You know, God's going to have to work in you to do that. Okay. But he says, Paul says, I, God wants to do a work in your life so much so that he can get you to where in your time, folks, the church has been waiting 2,000 years. That's a long wait, all right? That's long. And he says, I can change you so much that even in the waiting, you're eager. I'm excited. I'm excited that God's coming back. Some of you have been waiting a long time. Some of our folks are older folks. And you know what? After 80, 90 years, you might think. But you know what? He says, I can keep you eagerly waiting. And you might not even see it, but I can keep you eagerly waiting to the end. Don't you like to be around those folks? I love to be around older people who are eagerly waiting. Either God's going to come or God's going to or I'm going to pass away. I'm not eagerly waiting for that, but I'm eagerly waiting for one of the two. And you want to live like that. You want to live like that all the time. You want to live like that all the time. And God wants to speak that into the life, into the life of the church. Next Sunday, when you come, we're going to give you your book. And I want to encourage you to go with, through it with your family for the next four weeks so that you too, as a family, can be eagerly waiting for Christ to come. I want you to stand. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to pray for you before we go. I'm going to tell you, parents, I want to speak to you this morning right before we leave. You're going to have to work at this. You're going to have to, you and your wife, get together and say, okay, we're going to do this. For this next four weeks, with all the everything else we got going on, for the next four weeks, we're going to slow down part of our day and set aside and see what God wants to form in our life. You're going to have to do it. If you don't say you're going to do it, it won't get done. You need to get your children together and say, we're going to do this. Mom and dad, you need to get together. If it's just two of you in your home, say, okay, we're going to do this. If it's just one in your home, say, okay, I'm going to do this. Okay? Be praying this week that God would change your heart to where you would eagerly be waiting for what he wants to speak to you over these next four weeks. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you can so change us that even in the waiting, we can be eager about what you want to do. Father, I thank you for, I thank you for just speaking to me. Father, if this message was from nobody, for nobody else, thank you for speaking into my heart and helping me to see a place where I, I need you to do some more work in my life. And I know there's gobs of more places, but Father, thank you for that you show us this. And I pray, Father, that we would celebrate so much that you have come. But Father, help us to be so much more excited that you're coming again. And help us to live that way so that the world can see that in us.
and see the hope of that in us and seek to want you as well. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Let's read the prayer of Jabez together and then you can be dismissed.